welcome to the Way Niagara podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Berta, and we have Chris Dalglish, and also returning to the podcast today is AJ Dalglish, Chris's brother and discipleship pastor at Lake Mount Worship Center in Grimsby, Ontario. So neighbors, family, it is just good to have you back, AJ. Thanks for having me. And the last time we got to know him a little bit, so if you want to go back to the last episode, kind of hear about that conversation about pivoting, that's um, a good conversation. I really enjoyed having that with you guys. If you're tuning in and wanted to hear more of kind of the interview between AJ and myself, uh, that would be our previous podcast. If you've missed it, please uh, check back. But uh, we're going to kind of pick up just talking about some some really interesting concepts that I personally am challenged by as a disciple maker and leader and knowing that my brother is doing the same thing as me kind of tandem in the the similar uh, community setting Um, and like we were just saying like we believe very firmly that the body of Christ is called to many different expressions because people will connect to all sorts of different things that the body is doing and so um, we're not in competition with each other. We're all fighting to... The, the call of the church is to be Jesus to the people, right. uh, the visible Jesus. And um, I think we're doing it, we're trying to do it um, faithfully here in, in Grimsby, West Lincoln and Lincoln. And um, I, I'm excited to uh, have the people tuning into our Way podcast connect to some of the thinking and some of the leadership uh, ideas Uh, that fuel us as disciple-making leaders in this community. So I heard a saying, and I read uh, more about this a couple days ago, and it says, leadership is 40% inspiration, 30% intimidation, 20% instigation, and 10% imitation. Those are four I's. Let's talk about starting with inspiration. Mm. Inspiration is what fuels the birth of ministry. It's what fuels people to stand up on a Sunday morning and worship. They're inspired by the greatness of God. Mm. And they're awestruck by his grace and by his wonder. What leadership qualities do you see are inspiring you, AJ? Well, (laughs) digging deep right off the top here. All right. I would say a a hugely important thing is to practice what you preach. Mm. Integrity. Exactly. Your character is everything. So... um, Literally, the root word of integrity is integral one, right? Mm-hmm. You're the same person in the grocery store as you are with your kids, as you are on the platform, as you are when you're in your office, yes. as you are when you're by yourself. Yes. That is you being a person of integrity. Mm-hmm. It's important to be under and inspired by leaders who are modeling that. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I've heard recently that I fully agree with looking back. I mean, I'm 38 years old. I've been a part of a church my literally my entire life. Um, I've heard it said many times. You'll remember like maybe five sermons your whole life. Hmm. Uh, but what you're actually going to remember more than anything is the character 
of the preacher. Come on. That's the cool. character of the pastor. Yep. Which is why moral failure is actually such mm. a serious like blight on yes. pastoral leadership. Yes. Um, so to find an, a leader that is somebody of integrity and it's been tested is, I think, absolutely key. I would rather follow somebody that's living a life that is inspiring than somebody that's, you know, giving great messages all the time. Hmm. Now, that being said, my pastor, I think, is one of the best preachers I've heard. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, it's both, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's really good. Yeah, Tapley is definitely an inspiration to me, as I'm sure most uh, leaders across the Niagara region and, and beyond, because we, uh, he's so gifted to share, so, so giving to share of his, his personality, uh, Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And he never seems to back down from an invitation to speak, uh, to influence other people's lives, which I think is fantastic. Having seen him speak many times at youth conferences and that, like Mm -hmm. what other lead pastors are giving up their weekend to go and preach it to couple thousand stinky teenagers right uh, yeah I think that has a lot to do with what you're called to right like yep the difference between calling and just doing a job yep right, I, right. I would say and now that I'm living it I mean to say that being in ministry is a 40 hour a week job is actually just laughable right like <laughs> um, you're thinking about church even when it's not church even when you're not at church you're yeah. thinking about the people you're praying for the people like your own personal prayer time becomes often you're praying for the people you're in ministry with or for or ministering to is a better way to approach it right but Mm -hmm. it is straight up it's a life calling and i think i can say with absolute certainty that matt tapley is absolutely walking that out i don't think that guy ever stops (laughs) (laughs) no and uh yeah (laughs) so inspiration yes huge inspiration yeah and there's something really identifies with me about that because there are so there have sadly been many people that have been inspirational that you know you see on a platform. And I'm not talking about moral failings here because we've that was that was already mentioned. But just what you experience when you get to know them mm-hmm. is not the best. Right. You know, you think to yourself, oh, I'd love to be mentored by this person or I'd love to to really learn from this person. But there isn't actually much depth beyond what you may see on a stage and what their charisma and personality might be. Yeah. And that can be disappointing. For sure. To people. And I'm not, again, these, I'm, these are still good people. Yeah. I'm not talking about deficient morally, but that can be a challenge and I'll just say too like working at Crossroads speaking of another influential ministry in our area I really looked up to a lot of the like TV hosts and leaders and I was actually really encouraged when I actually started to work there and I got to see firsthand how humble they are yeah and how I can sit down and have a conversation with them on just about anything and they're just wonderful real people where a lot of times people have a different view of celebrities where like you know there's different classes but it's really encouraging to be in an environment where no 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 no, we're all on the same page we are 
just humble and kind. And so, you know, what you're saying about Matt, I feel about a lot of my more public facing Mm -hmm. colleagues. And I just really appreciate the fact that what you see on television, what you see on air is actually what you're going to have in the hallways around Crossroads. And we've even had some fun interactions around the office. And it's like, I cherish stuff like that because I actually appreciate the people I looked up to mm-hmm. even more right. mm-hmm. because of the integrity mm-hmm. that matches the public charisma. Right. Which is sad that we have so many uh, examples of the opposite. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why, like, we're, my wife and I, we lead worship at our church both of us separately, sometimes together, but we're some of the like main worship leaders at the church. And so you would expect that if a popular worship band was to come to town, we'd want to go see them. Well, we don't because they're celebritized. Mm-hmm. How are they any different? I would rather go to a worship service at my own church where I know I'm going to meet with God than go to a potential... I'm not even going to say a name of a mm-hmm. famous worship thing. There's been multiple who've come to town and we don't go. Mm-hmm. We could, but we don't. And it has nothing to do with uh, that we don't like the music. It's the ones that we sing all the time. It's the stuff that we listen to at home. But I've been to stuff where I've seen a celebrity worship leader or t- let's get out of the church world. Let's step into, I went to see a country music concert at whatever the big stage is in Toronto and to see the, like, I thought this country guy was one of the best to see him. And it's like, we spent a hundred bucks a ticket or whatever to go see this guy. And it was disappointing, but also <laughs> like sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it just brought so much like perspective of you can hide a lot of stuff in the recording studio. Right. And it's like, Mm. to actually see them performing live. And this is somebody who's on the radio all the time, right? Still, honestly, is one of my favorite country artists, but um, was so disappointed by seeing them live that it just, it's ruined celebrity for me. So Mm. take that same example, like you're saying, to the work world, right? Where you see these people, and now that that's kind of the expectation Mm. of celebrities, you step into that and you're expecting the same kind of thing. You expect there to be the lack of charisma. You're expecting there to actually be more of the, um, maybe they scream at the people and the cameras aren't rolling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad to hear that's not the case there. So, mm. yeah. My inspiration is a guy right now named Dave Carroll uh, out of Brantford, who, uh, if you have followed him on social media or anything, is known as Captain Kindness. And he... And chatting with him, go. I've learned that he is just radically kind. And sometimes, and I, I mean, I've worked in churches for years, but we lose our ability to be kind because we're so burnt by uh, dealing with people constantly. And he's learned that kindness is is lacking because it, it, the leadership isn't is often unkind, uh, not willing to listen, not willing to care. The compassion is low. The empathy is low and his kindness kind of like is overwhelming. And I think for myself as someone who's trying to 
inspire others to want to be asking questions in a, a discipleship circle. Kindness is key. And especially when you uh, are encouraging skepticism, sometimes people ask questions that you might feel is is dumb <laughs> or how can you ask that? I've already walked you through this. Um, that it, it has, you have to be gentle. You have to be kind and you have to let people explore their faith while still standing your ground on the authority of scripture and obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit and, and, and whatnot. So yeah, Dave Carroll is a, an inspiration to me as, as well as many other leaders around us, but, mm-hmm. but I, I do appreciate his work and uh, some of the creativity that he has. And I think, I think that should be kind of a goal as a leader that you're inspired by the, the creativity of others. So that leads me into like our next topic, which is uh, imitation. So it's 10% imitation. We, we live in a world where you watch a TikTok and all of a sudden everyone is doing the TikTok or looking like the TikTok celebrities. Uh, we, watch, we live in a world where uh, you can get Gucci shoes for 10 bucks out of the back of a van uh, where imitation is is part of uh, our culture. We also live in a world that tells us um, imitation is is the highest form of flattery. Mm. When we apply that to our leadership, what are we imitating? Yeah, I mean, that word brings me to when Paul says imitate me as I imitate Christ mm. right he's speaking to a specific denomination inspired by the Holy Spirit as he's writing this but that's why it's relevant for us today right mm-hmm. um, he's saying to these people you see the way I live live the same way because I'm living the way I'm seeing Christ lived mm. right so I think imitation isn't actually a bad thing if mm-hmm. it's you're imitating the right thing. Now, wisdom is a key to that. If you aren't imitating the right thing, next thing you know, you're imitating a celebrity or you're mm-hmm. imitating whatever, a TikTok person that like you don't know what they're actually like behind the scenes, right? Um, I think that's, it's really, it comes down to mentoring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who are you imitating should probably be somebody that you would let speak into your life. Yeah. Um, that's probably the most important thing. So when we apply the word imitation to discipleship, mm-hmm. Paul set the example for us that yeah. saying do like I do. Right. So to disciple others, we have to be imitatable. Not that we want people, um, becoming clones of us mm-hmm. but we want them to recognize the qualities of christ in us right and recognize the the um, experience that comes from walking a life sacrificially chasing after christ we we've flipped the language of yeah, here at way where we no longer like, talk about salvation we talk about choosing to follow jesus mm-hmm. we've made a choice to follow jesus we mm-hmm. didn't have an instant where we just magically were fixed we have chosen 
to follow Jesus and we're chasing after Jesus. And every day is a choice to continue to follow Jesus and to walk after Jesus and to, to study what Jesus loved and to want to love what Jesus loved. Right. And as a, as a leader who's been doing it for a while, I want people to say, oh, I like the way that you think or the way that you, you approach that. It's a little more gentle or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Yeah, I think there, it's important to define your terms, right? Like yeah. you are. Yeah. Now, salvation is the moment. Lordship mm-hmm. is you surrendering your life. Mm-hmm. Like salvation is the moment. The lordship is the, is the key. So many people have a salvation experience, but they miss the, I'm, I now have a Lord, not just a savior. He's my Lord. Yeah. Like that terminology goes back to like, I mean, if you were to watch like uh, medieval knight kind of movies, like you're a Lord of a land, right? Well, uh, the Lord is somebody that people like when he tells you to do something, you do it. Mm-hmm. it's like you're no longer it's no longer your will that matters mm-hmm. it's like being in the military right if your commanding officer tells you to do something you do it or you're literally going to jail <laughs> like you don't just get a slap on the wrist like you're you're in trouble mm-hmm. um lordship of christ like easy to miss that sadly easy to miss it mm-hmm. that you're when you accept jesus in your heart, whatever the saying that we have, right? You're not just saying, you're not just praying the salvation prayer. You're surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. That is the journey. Mm -hmm. And I think when you apply this idea of it being 10% of leadership is imitation, it's imitation is a, is a result of inspiration, right? You're inspired by these people. So you want to imitate what they've done. Yeah. And, uh, I I can see that all around us, like as, you know, a lot of us have the same friends and peers that are doing incredible things. And, you know, you try to, you try to think like they think or try to, um, you know, imitate their ministries in ways. And not that that's um, necessarily a good thing all the time, but because every community is super unique, Mm -hmm. but you can certainly draw a desire to imitate people that you see success in. And I think leadership is finding a way to show people the success without (laughs) revealing all the failure (laughs) in many ways, because there's so many, like we were talking about bearing fruit. There's so many things that you've tried that just don't bear fruit Mm -hmm. before you successfully find a thing that is like, wow, this is incredible growth. Um, And that leads me to another Uh, one of these leadership eyes, which is uh, intimidation, Mm -hmm. which was given a 30%. I'm curious how to frame the word intimidation because it kind of has two paths where you yourself are intimidated by the work that you're doing. Like you always have to kind of revere the calling to make disciples Mm -hmm. as a disciple maker like you're responsible for building these people's lives and for steering them towards truth that is life-changing and life-shaping therefore i think the calling is intimidating the calling to that that priesthood is is intimidating 
Yeah, I think um, what stood out to me of what you just said, and take this as what it is, I think it, whatever, maybe it's correction, maybe it's not, but you as a disciple maker aren't actually responsible for another person's discipleship journey, right? You have your personal relationship with Christ and Holy Spirit does the work, right? Yeah. We help guide them, we give them the platforms or we give them the, the way to find the way. No pun intended there. I didn't even realize I said wait when I was saying it. But yeah, it's like you're right. There is the intimidation factor of you're holding in the tension of um, one day I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and I'm going to be held accountable for what I did with what mm-hmm. he's given me. Mm-hmm. And that is discipling people in this season, right? So That's right. Yeah. The other side of intimidation is intimidating people mm-hmm. by your character your overwhelming character. Um, And certainly I've met in my years of ministry, people who were intimidating, people whose presence was intimidating and their, their um, micro celebrity Mm -hmm. was intimidating. Do you think, and this is not, I don't have an answer for this. It's just this Mm -hmm. me throwing something out here. Do you think that intimidating others with your presence is part of discipleship? Um, Our chief uh, example of leadership should be Christ. Mm -hmm. We don't ever see him being intimidating to people. That's right. However, he does see injustice Mm -hmm. and flips the tables in the temple and they're selling stuff. Um, now that's not just a call to churches to not sell things in their lobby. That's <laughs> like the background on that is if you're unfamiliar is they were selling stuff for people to sacrifice in the temple mm-hmm. rather than it being an actual sacrifice. It's like, well, I don't need to actually take this unblemished lamb that I've raised. Now I can just buy two doves <laughs> outside of the temple. Like, yeah, obviously Jesus is going to be upset about that, right? Like they, they're, they've removed the whole point of, of the reason to sacrifice. Is it mm-hmm. some, It's supposed to cost you something. Mm-hmm. Not just money, but it's supposed to cost a lot more. Mm-hmm. That's why it's not just any old lamb. It's this, this unblemished, right? Right. Um, so did Jesus intimidate? No. But when he saw injustice, he had his his moment of trying to set things right. Mm -hmm. I think it can be blurred as that when it is a leadership decision. Um, Like Mm -hmm. when you're navigating really tough decisions that affect lots of people, Mm -hmm. the, the common denominator or whatever, whatever your thoughts on that, like um, for us at Lake Mount, COVID was a tough thing. Yes. Like we had people that didn't want to wear masks. We had people that didn't want to come in person and that's okay. We made as much, you know, room for it as we could. But that word pivot that we used in the last podcast became a huge word in every setting, business, church, school, 
everything. Everybody was pivoting the way their 2020 vision that all these people were forecasting. <laughs> yeah. They had to pivot. All these people yeah. were choking on their prophetic words. <laughs> yes, they were. Um, but we navigated every decision with like the same idea as Moses leading the people through the wilderness. Hmm. They didn't have the fastest runners cross the finish line and turn around and say, sorry, too bad. They went as a family. Everywhere they went, if granny couldn't walk, they picked her up and they carried her there. Mm -hmm. If there was children that weren't able to walk, like we're talking 40 years in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Everywhere they went, they went together. They they left nobody behind, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, not everybody wanted to hear that or take that stance because of whatever mm-hmm. we're not getting into that but there's a a level of intimidation when you disagree mm-hmm. right yep. people got really upset yep <laughs> yep in every situation i don't even think we're just talking church here no it even comes down to like you wanted to go get groceries yeah if you're not going the one way with those taped like <laughs> arrows on the ground in yeah. the grocery store yeah I got threatened to get kicked out. There was literally nobody in the aisle and I just needed peanut butter. (laughs) And like the person that worked there got real mad at me because I tried to just (laughs) go the wrong way. Just sneaking past the arrows. Um, Yeah, I almost got thrown out. Wow. With a cart full of groceries. Yeah. Right? It's not like I was going in just for this one thing. Like, yeah, yeah. anyway. There's an intimidation to all leadership in that way of like you need to honor the leadership and unfortunately some people take that too far. So every truth here needs to be held in tension of, you know, some people don't take it far enough and some people take it too far. And that's one I've had to kind of adjust to Mm -hmm. in that I've at times been overly fearful, like let intimidation become fear. Mm -hmm. And so one of the most anxiety-inducing things for me is when a leader says, can we talk? <laughs> Even if yeah. it's just a check-in, how are you doing? Yeah. And so I also realized that's something that I needed to work out because I've ha- I had some, say, in earlier days, some blindsiding moments where I maybe would have walked into something confidently and then got hurt. So the defense mechanism comes up. Yeah. And so... But it has taken years of good relationships with, with leaders to slowly unlearn the fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as I've taken up more leadership in the last couple of years, I have tried really hard to be that person that can always be approachable and doesn't, if I ask to talk to someone, I want to say it in a way that's invitational So that I don't, if I, if, you know, that conversation is like a week away, I don't want someone losing sleep for a week like I used to. And so we also need to be conscious of that, like being conscious of how our behavior Mm -hmm. and our stance and our approach, our wording, how that actually affects the people that, that we're leading. Because a lot of leaders are kind of that type A personality, tend to be very strong. Those are... People tend towards leadership that are like that, but there are also, there's a certain degree of softness and tenderness 
that we need to have towards people, even if we're dealing with a really mm-hmm. challenging situation, yeah, yeah. so that we can still speak the truth, but do it with a degree of love and with a degree of kindness mm-hmm. that we're not completely ruining someone. Yeah. Yeah. Because as leaders, our words carry probably more weight than we ever realize. Oh, yeah. I think that transitions nicely to my uh, next point on intimidation. The scale of how much intim- intimidation your leadership has def- separates the celebrity pastor or leader, just pastor period, from the cult leader, mm-hmm. right? Cult leaders are all about intimidation. Follow this or these are the consequences, right? Um, and that that's where I think you have to be really careful when you have a pulpit for a while and people following you um, is how you intimidate others and what your proclaimed consequences to disobedience to your proclamations is. Um, and certainly I don't have anyone in mind when I'm saying these things, but mm-hmm. um, it's always, a, it's always, a, you always have to be careful when you're uh, leading others how you're intimidating them yeah i have a story about that so before i was on staff i was a board member mm-hmm. and uh, i was a new board member first time in that role or whatever within my first year of it i remember just having a conversation with somebody who worked at the church and uh, they were in more of an administrative support role and we were talking about something and I just made a like a suggestion, like invited them to come like take pictures at our life group or something like that. Like, hey, it'd be cool because you have the equipment if you could, you know, do that, whatever. Mm. Not realizing the weight that my words carried. Mm. Like if you're unaware mm. of the weight that That's you good. carry, yeah. you can cause a whole lot more damage. And the intimidation is in that, right? Like I, I am probably, at least I see myself as a not so intimidating person. I see myself as somebody who's approachable, Mm -hmm. but maybe I'm not right. Mm -hmm. And we don't know how other people see us. So I think there is always kind of that Mm -hmm. hidden in the background of it. Now that that whole situation got sorted out, no problem. And I learned to be careful as to what I ask people to do. <laughs> yes. But it was a great lesson learned for me of like, I think I'm just having a friendly conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. right? As a leader, your words carry way more weight than maybe we realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important for us and those listening to the podcast is we're about to train peer coaches for our wellness hub to... Uh, you know, connect with people on Thursday that, um, you know, we're training you to be good listeners because the weight of your words is important to value. So when, you, when you're listening, you're listening and you're listening well. Uh, you're mindful, but um, you're also able to speak with the, weight, with the weight of your words to the situation and through the training and through the discipleship that you're, you're trained and confident in, I believe that you, uh, if you're listening, will not be intimidating, but you'll be instigating. And this is our next, they say leadership is 20% instigation. Now instigation kind of, again, has kind of two 
meanings. You can be an instigator, which is bad, or you can be an instigator, which is good, where you're releasing people into ministry or into their visions. And so I want to talk about a concept that rocked my world recently that has to do with instigation. What happens when vision and mission lead to division? When the vision and mission of the lead team of the church leads to division within the church body. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about COVID again, right? That's right. Um, some people can, even if they're in a place of leadership, can disagree and disagreement isn't it doesn't mean like don't express your opinions right um but disagreeing to the point of being like dividing Mm -hmm. you got to go pretty far to get to that point like Mm -hmm. if i go to another church and i don't like their toilet paper dispensers Mm -hmm. i can choose in that moment I'm picking the most like <laughs> yeah. silliest examples. Yes. But like yes. if I feel unwelcome at their church because I had the hardest time getting more than one tiny little square of toilet paper off that thing <laughs> yeah, at yeah. a time. Yeah. I could choose in that moment to go, well, obviously this church doesn't care about people. <laughs> yeah. Because they can't even buy better than one ply toilet paper and their yeah. toilet paper holders like are like concrete. You're trying to break it off. Like um like you can choose to take offense yeah to basically anything right mm-hmm. jordan you could look at me wrong and i could be like man that guy he's got a real issue <laughs> right mm-hmm. but it's in me as the person who's taking that offense yeah to choose to not let that root of bitterness become something right so vision and mission leading to division you can't control everybody. Like control is the last thing that a church should be trying to do. That's you're stepping into cult yes. territory. So I have zero control over how you're going to react if I say anything to you, Chris. I could say, you know what? You're so handsome today. You could be like, he's just making fun of me. Mm-hmm. Or you could be like, yeah, I am. We kind of look the same. <laughs> yeah. So of course I'm handsome. Yeah. Like, of course yeah. you're going to think that. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Right? Yes. It's all in the person receiving it. Yes. And their stance and yeah. the way that they choose to accept it. Yes. So. I, I heard recently of a church leadership team that came in and gave a, a vision and mission that did not match the community. Mm-hmm. And it's caused massive division within the church. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about that because as a leader i'm not sure that i could boldly instigate people to leave as much as like you know when we were younger we had this old uh saying you got to choose who you lose right you can't please everybody Mm -hmm. and this was more over the choice of getting rid of organs or whatnot back in that era but or hymn books and and switching to choruses but i I'm curious how you view uh, a leader instigating his congregants to leave for the sake of 
the vision. Right. Let's just pick a street, Scott Street in St. Catharines. Yes. If you've ever driven the entire length from the QEW to the canal, mm-hmm. you pass by probably, I mean, this is just an educated guess, but probably about 10 churches, right? Yep. Of, all, of varying denominations, varying flavors of whatever. And two that share a parking lot. Yeah. Well, there you go, right? Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> so <laughs> um, you could literally, within a five-kilometer radius, go to like... 10 to 20 churches yes if you it's kind of the same idea of if you like a certain kind of ice cream Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to have that every time but for the most part you're going to go for that same kind right yeah um you like sweet and savory you're going to go for that you like Mm -hmm. peanut butter you're probably going for that flavor right um churches can be like that no Mm -hmm. we can't as a church we can't hold people like they are an idol. Mm-hmm. We just can't, right? right? If you're trying to please everybody, you're going to please nobody. Mm-hmm. Every church has kind of their target audience. And so f- for Lake Mount, our target audience is everybody, right? We want the entire family. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that doesn't sit right with some people. Hmm. Like you have to know your core values and you got to yeah. you got to stick within them. So yeah. A huge thing for us is that everybody crosses that finish line together. Mm-hmm. I like that. So as much as we can do that, we do that. So if that means having Zoom still to this day for some of our elderly people who cannot make it because they are like mm-hmm. dealing with health issues, we still offer the Zoom link to them, even for pre-service prayer. And they are still e- even able to contribute to the pre-service prayer meeting or our intercessory kind of prayer meetings because we've made a way for them to do that. Now, mm. technologies afford that for us. Um, if we were a young adults church, we probably wouldn't need that, mm-hmm. right? We could easily just say, like, we'd be open to having all ages, but let's say that we were a church and our target audience was age 18 to 28. <laughs> First of all, you're not going to have anybody really giving to your church because yeah, no nobody money. has any money at that point. No money. Um, which is not the main thing. Yeah. But churches do need money to grow, yeah. right? So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of got to think of everybody. And so mm-hmm. I know that's our stance is that mm-hmm. everybody crosses that finish line together. I like that. And if we were focused on just one age bracket, we're going to lose a lot of the people in the other ones. Now, yeah. if your age bracket target is 60 plus, you're probably not bringing in any young families. And if you mm-hmm. do, they're probably not staying. Yeah. And you're setting a shelf life for your church's existence. Yeah. Exactly. So my, my, I guess the fluffier side of instigation, we kind of talked about the more harsh side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what about instigating vision in others to build and to do ministry? Right. I see a lot of this now as ways coming and it's kind of, you know, a little more free. We talk about the idea of building a touch point, a place where people can come to touch Jesus that's um, accessible to all kinds of mental health issues anxiety, PTSD, all these different things. We want people to, you know, maybe they can't handle coming to a church service, but there's a touch point. And I, I'm hearing other people who are coming into our way circle right now, instigated by the freedom to vision, and they're coming up with these incredible, incredible para-ministries that will, you know, make what we're doing so much better and so much 
because they are free to dream and they're free to to vision and God's you know Holy Spirit's speaking to these people like do this do this care for these people uh, build this um, if someone was at Lake Mount and they had like a vision to build something mm-hmm. who is the first person they should approach and how would they go about initiating that depends on what department you were talking about like mm-hmm. if you're thinking like um let's say that you felt called to go on um missions mm-hmm. or literally like pick up your family and move um you would probably first need to have a conversation with our missions pastor pastor becky lang for sure um but if you were thinking like mm-hmm. i want to start a hockey group well, I mean, you could come talk to me and we'd treat it like a life group. Mm-hmm. Or if you just want to like literally have like a, a league and it's not open to everybody and it's like by invite only, mm-hmm. well, then you could just kind of do your own thing. If we're talking sports. Mm-hmm. And then they would what, talk to Taylor about renting or whatnot? Yeah, yeah. Like a facilities person like Taylor could help get you in the gym. But like we have like a, we were talking about just last night, they had a men's softball team that uh, somebody just needs to champion it and run it, right? Like, mm. And so if nobody's willing to step up and do that, well, this year nobody's doing it, so we don't actually have a softball team this year. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, sports is different than, like, if you wanted to, like, teach something, for mm. example. Well, then you got to go through the appropriate channels to yeah, do that's that. that's a big, big difference, yeah. Yeah, for sure, because now you're controlling the culture of the church, right? Yeah. So yeah. that would definitely go through Pastor Matt. Right interesting yeah i mean it's not surprising at all it's kind of how we structure here as well but Mm -hmm. what i'm finding and what i'm hearing and so like just kind of stepping forward into this conversation yeah is uh, a lot more people are having like vision to do things that are more like compassionate care or say uh, hospitality related in your short time on pastoral staff but Mm -hmm. not limited to it because you've been in this church circle for over 12 years there Mm -hmm. What kind of vision do you think people right now are starting to bring to Lake Mount from from the the, the, the laity, from the people sitting in the pews who are starting to vision and, and what what gifts do you see them bringing in vision? Yeah, so a new thing that we've started doing in the last couple of years that I think didn't come from staff but came from somebody within. There's a few actually, but the first one I was thinking of is uh, our Spanish uh, community. Right. So for us, um, one of my best friends at the church, his name's Sergio, he's from Mexico. When he first started coming to Lake Mount, he was the only one who spoke Spanish. Hmm. Um, at least that he, that was like visible, obvious, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and he would say that himself. Well, now we're 10 years in and him and his wife started a Spanish life group, I think about four years ago. Cool. And now they have, like, our Spanish community has just really taken off. Like, we have probably, uh, I would say, closer to 60 people who would be considered a part of that life group. Now, we call it a life group because we don't want to completely separate them, right? Most of these people we've found have come from other churches where they would show up and they would be trying to attend this English church and they'd be like, Hey, did you know we have this Spanish church that meets here in the afternoons? And they're like, but I don't want to be a part of that. Hmm. 
why are you segregating me based on my language? Hmm. Instead, um, so there's, we've tossed around the idea of hmm. doing a Spanish service, but that's what you're doing. You're segregating people. Wow. And it's not because we don't want them there. It would be like, I don't think any church would be intentionally trying to push people away. It would be yeah. more like, we want to find a place where you guys can connect and feel comfortable. Hmm. Well, these people are intentionally coming to Lake Moat, which is a predominantly white and English speaking church. Mm-hmm. Now we, I'm not saying we're only white people there, but that is the case when you walk in, most people are speaking English. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and like, let's say we have these people coming in from Ukraine, which we have. Yep. They are looking for a place to connect. Yeah. Uh, so we now have an English as a second language connection group, which meets after church. They can have lunch together and they are learning how to communicate together. And it's run by a former pastor. And it's honestly, it's really life-giving. It's been mm-hmm. a really huge thing for, for people to just find a place. So that came from vision from somebody that wasn't on staff. They were just like seeing the need of having an ESL group. Yeah. And that's it. That's right. The Spanish community is different in that they do, they meet, they have a sermon in Spanish, and then they like usually share empanadas or tacos or nice. whatever, which is amazing. Nice. And I've been a few times. I might have to learn Spanish <laughs> to want to go to this. I was thinking I'm joining this. Si, senor. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so tasty. Yeah. Um, yes, I absolutely love that. I love that um, uh, there wasn't resistance to trying these things to building these things that your community uh, embraced it and recognized that they're coming here because they know what we are our identity is a white anglo-saxon english-speaking church and they are okay with that they chose to come here um we're not a specifically a spanish church and that um by segregating them it's sort of offensive oh fully yeah, yeah. i couldn't even imagine like Let's say you moved to Mexico for a year and you walked into a church and they're like, oh, hey, yeah, actually, there's a there's a service after this for all the white guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you can stay. You won't understand what we're saying. Yeah. But, like, that yeah. would be the most offensive thing. You'd be like, why am I here? Yeah. I'm not going back to yeah, that place. That's true. Right? Context is everything, right? Yeah, just turn the tables, right? Yeah. I was working at a church a number of years ago where there is a large Chinese community. And it's been a thriving community for many, many years. And for the longest time, it didn't have any staff. It kind of rose up from the congregation. But it grew to the point where it actually needed a staff member to kind of keep things going. And so to offer different options, Mm -hmm. because there were people in that community that wanted a Mandarin-speaking Church service. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially those that maybe struggle with English. Like, they wanted that. So it was offered. But what was cool was, is every every Sunday, they would have lunch after. Mm-hmm. And so you had the option of which language you experienced church in. The two sanctuaries were right beside each other. So you're mingling in the lobby, the same greeters, the same kids ministry. Mm-hmm. And then you had the option to have lunch after. Right. And I knew people that have Chinese heritage, that don't speak a word of it, that would go to the lunch and hang out with those that had just come out of the Mandarin-speaking service. Like, that, to me, is a very inviting, non-segregated thing. 
because yeah. you're giving variety, you're giving choices, but you're actually you're actually putting people first mm-hmm. and allowing for really neat conversation. And I just had some really cool conversations with kind of people in that community and was just really moved by the idea that yeah, it wasn't it actually it, it wasn't something that leadership was maybe trying to impose on a population in the church. It was actually a group of people that were like no, we actually want preaching in our language, but we're also not going to become so segregated that we're not going to engage with the mm. English speakers. And you have the option of what you of how you worship, and yeah. but everyone's welcome. Yeah, yep. Well, I cool. never had the chance to go to those lunches, but I would have been welcome. Right. And I just and that's just a really neat, neat kind of thing. For sure. Well, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much, AJ, for taking the time to join us again today. And we are looking forward to having you back in our next episode. For the past number of months, we've been talking through a book called What If Jesus Was Serious About the Church by Sky Jatani. And we have really had a great conversation about that book and now going into the fall we're kind of moving into our next season of teaching on the way niagara podcasts and we are going to be talking about the book of james and so chris what stands out to you about the book of james that is on your heart to share with the listeners james was a book about the developing church in the time of uh, jesus james is jesus's brother and Uh, He is a leader of the church uh, at the time, and it comes from a very uh, foundational point of view of someone who wants to build a healthy church. And as a leader of way, uh, as we're preparing to launch our Sunday service and we're preparing to launch a handful of other incredible ministries, doing it right and being healthy has to be the core of what we're doing. And because we want to make sure that we are healthy spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, communally. And so this is going to be a really good conversation. And so in September, we will be starting talking about the book of James on the Way Niagara podcast. And I'll just take this opportunity as well to say that if you want to subscribe, make sure to do that so that you will always know when a new episode comes out. And also, you can email podcast at wayniagara.ca if you have any questions, thoughts. Uh, We would love to have that conversation with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye for now.